Well, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. That's much better. Somebody scared me over here even. All righty. Well, welcome to this time of worship with Anastasia Baptist Church. Thank you, uh, those of you who are here. Thank you, those of you who are joining us online. Uh, a way to get to know each other better or to give information or to get information back from the church is to use our text line. And that number is 904 441 6900. Now you can you can text a single word to that line and it will reply with information that you want. For instance, if you put the word connect, that's how you can get in touch with uh, with a connect card. You can for instance give us some information that you might want us to pray about, for instance. Or if you uh, have other other needs, you can uh, you can text the word news N E W S. And that is how you can get a copy of the bulletin. If you lose the paper copy that's in your hand now, or you're just out in the middle of somewhere and you need to know when such and such happens, you can text news to that number, 904-441-6900. As you came in, you, you may have received a paper copy of that bulletin. That's got some information about what's coming up. You be sure to look that over and um, uh, decide what might pertain to you and then you can be very informed. Something you'll all want to be informed about is something that Pastor Walter is going to come and tell us about now at this point. Good morning, everybody. I am not going to be preaching today. We have a guest speaker with us today. It's Nelson Roman. Nelson, would you stand up? Nelson is the associate pastor of Anastasia Church in Espanol. So you want to give him a warm Anastasia welcome. With his wife, Duvi. Duvi, would you stand up and give everyone a wave there? We're so glad you're here with us. He'll be preaching the message in the sanctuary today and then the Christian Life Center uh, next week. And he and I are sort of flip-flopping these next two weeks. So, so glad that you're here. And if you are tired of Pastor David Elder's jokes, you can just text to that number. Just stop now. <laughs> But the announcement I really wanted to share is this. Uh, this afternoon, we're going to make a very, very important decision as a church family. Uh, we're going to have a special called business meeting, and the only item on that agenda is whether or not to begin construction of a family ministry center and family activity center over where the playgrounds are now. That, that area is where it's going to be. Um, we're going to vote whether or not to build. It's a facility that is to be more suitable for our preschool children and youth, more usable for ministry to families, and more importantly, a secure facility. It's hard for us to secure the outside doors. So um, we want you to come back at 4 o'clock p.m. We won't make this a super long meeting. We'll have a paper ballot, and we will count votes, and we'll answer questions if you have a question, and we'll... Uh, give the answer to whatever that vote is, but it is a $14 million project. We have money in the bank right now at just over $4.5 million. It's a big project, but I believe with all my heart and I believe by faith that the Lord will provide all the funds that we need to move forward. I believe, I've been, I've been convinced by our building steering committee that this is the right time to move forward. And this is a project with which my wife and I have been personally and significantly committed to financially, and we will continue to be, along with many of you. So if you are a member 
you are entitled to vote. You can come today and you can vote yes. And you can come today and you can vote no. And if you don't vote, you don't get to complain to me. So I invite you to come. It's going to be in the Christian Life Center today at 4 o'clock p.m. Okay? So God bless you this morning. Now, just to clarify, (laughs) Pastor Walter said, (laughs) hashtag just stop now. When he said you can vote yes, you can vote no, he didn't mean at the same time. We're not doing that. It's one or the other, yes or no. This weekend, we are celebrating and recognizing our high school seniors, and they are currently in the 1030 service over in the CLC, but they wanted us to know who they were and what's going on with their lives. So would you turn your attention to the video, please? Hi, my name is Nate McKinnon. I'm graduating from Apex Christian Academy. I will be joining the Marines in a few weeks. My life verse is Isaiah 40:31. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Hi, my name is Raina Glad. I am a homeschool graduate, and I will be continuing to med spa school in the fall. Uh, my life verse is Isaiah 40, verse 8, which is the grass withers and the flowers may fade, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Hi, my name is Logan Kelly. I'm going to be graduating from St. Augustine High School with my AA from SJR. I'm going to be continuing at SJR in the fall for nursing. And my life verse is 1 Corinthians 10:13. He will not tempt you beyond what you can handle, but provide you a way out. Hey, my name is Sophie Pearson, and I'm graduating from St. Augustine High School. I'll be continuing to do a mission program in Hawaii, and when I come back, I'll go to SJR for nursing. And my life first is John 16:33. It says, I've told you these things that in me you'll have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Hi, my name is Colin Richardson. I'll be graduating from St. Augustine High School and be attending UNF for nursing program this summer. My life verse is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. Hi, my name is Logan Smith and I'll be graduating from St. John's Technical High School and my future plans are to become a missionary with the IMB. My life verse is 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. But He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Hi, my name is Shannon Speakman. I'm a homeschool graduate, and I will be attending Flagler College this fall for a degree in fine arts. My life verse is Isaiah 26, 3-4. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord himself, is the rock eternal. Thank you. You're too kind. Psalm 150 reads, Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. 
Praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with lute and harp. Praise Him with tambourine and dance. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. Praise Him with loud, clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord.
Let's ourselves join in that praise to God. Let's stand and sing. How great thou art.
Please be seated. How great thou art. You know, one of the earliest prayers that many of us learned was both simple enough for a child to understand and yet was deep enough to convey a very profound truth. That prayer is on the screens now. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. That very first phrase, God is great. It encapsulates who God is because there are myriad ways in which God is indeed great. He's great in power. He's great in majesty. He's great in knowledge. He is great in compassion and mercy and love and grace and forgiveness. And all those ways that God is great remind us that we, in contrast, are not. We are small. We are limited. In fact, the only thing that we are great at is sinning. You see, when Moses went up on Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments, the people he left behind, they got kind of antsy. And so they had Aaron make for them an idol in the form of a golden calf. When Moses returned, he confronted his brother with his sin. And notice how many times in these upcoming verses you're going to see the phrase, great sin. Not just your ordinary garden variety, but great sin. And Moses said to Aaron, What did these people do to you that you have brought such a great sin upon them? Well, Moses then confronted the people themselves. The next day, Moses said to the people, You have sinned a great sin. And now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. He then approached a holy God on behalf of a sinful people. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Alas, this people has sinned a great sin. They have made for themselves gods of gold. But now, if you will forgive their sin. Now before we get smug and condemn those ancient Israelites, let's consider how often we make idols of things that are of even less worth than gold. When we should be celebrating the greatness of our God, we're instead mired in the meanness and the smallness and the pettiness of our sin. So let's take our eyes off the lesser things and let's fix them on Jesus as we read together the song of Moses and of the Lamb as it's recorded in Revelation chapter 15. Let's read this together. Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. May God bless the reading and the believing of his word. Would you bow with me as I give voice to this prayer that was first expressed by Pastor Tim Chalice. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we love you. How can we but love you? For you are so worthy of our love. We look at the gods that men have invented and we can only conclude that none of them are worthy of love. They are small. They are capricious. They are arbitrary. They are unfair, they are unjust, they are unlovable. 
We could not love those families. But we look at what you have revealed of yourself and our hearts swell. Our hearts rejoice. Our hearts are drawn to you. We love you because you are kind, because you are good, because you are merciful. We love you because you are slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. We love you because you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. We love you because you have first loved us. Thank you for being a God who is eminently worthy of our deepest loyalty and our highest affection. And all the people who agree with this prayer indicate their affirmation by saying, Amen. Well, Jesus showed, demonstrated that great, great love of God when he gave his life on the cross. Let's stand. Let's sing of that.
We welcome you to this generosity moment. You know, we have many, many different ways to give. You can text GIVE to 904-441-6900. You can go to our website, anastasiachurch.org, and pick a campus, or you can drop some uh, your offering in the boxes outside. But this is not, you know, just about requesting your generosity. This is thanking you for your generosity. You know, without your generosity, we wouldn't be able to have a wonderful VBS that we're going to have in a few weeks. We wouldn't be able to talk about a, a new building and, and moving forward in that project. And, and we wouldn't be able to maintain this, this campus and these magnificent facilities that you guys have, have given to us. So we're just thankful for you all and thankful for your generosity. Let us pray. Father God, we just we thank you for this day, Father. We, we thank you for the, the people that pour their lives into this into your church, Father. Father, we thank you for those who, who give it their time and their talents. Father, we thank you for those who volunteer. Father, we thank you for the, the staff that work so diligently to make sure that, that things go the way they're supposed to on the weekends. Father, we just thank you for this congregation and the, the offerings that they give. Father, we just ask that as we come to this time of offering, that you would just lead, guide us, and direct us in how we should use all the funds that come into your kingdom. Father, we just pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. chapter 9, verse 33. And they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve, and he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and put him in the midst of them. And taking him in his arms, he said to them, he said to them, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. Father, we thank you for this 
uh, word, O oh Lord. We thank you for the opportunity we have to be here and bring your word, O oh Lord. I, I would ask, Father, that you would increase and that I may decrease, O oh Lord. That the message that you are bringing here today, O oh Lord, may touch uh, the heart and the souls of every person that is here hearing it at this moment, O oh Lord. We thank you, Father. We give you all honor and glory. And it's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. You may have your seat. You know, many times we look at this scripture and we think about our place. No? Are we first? Should we be first? Should we be last? Are we stuck somewhere in the middle? But somebody has to be first. Somebody has to be first. Right? We cannot be the first to speak. We, we cannot be the first to act. We can't be the first person to get online for food in our small group meeting, you know. I, I'm, I'm Puerto Rican, so food is always a part of any meeting, all right? But someone has to be first. You might think, preacher, you already got it wrong. You just stood up here. But how does the radical reality of being last, of being a servant, live up to real life ex expectations? Yesterday, I, I was traveling from Ocala back to St. Augustine. We had been at a uh, conference all day. And I, as I drove through uh, all these small towns, I, I, I saw Baptist churches everywhere. Amen. Right? Glory to God. But there was, there was something strange. Every town I went to, there was always a Baptist church with the same name. First Baptist. Somebody has to be first, right? Right? If you're at work and you signed a, a new uh, project, and you're working with coworkers, you don't right away say, I'm gonna be last on this one. You know, the first should be last. I'm, I'm gonna just take my time and maybe hand it in a couple of days late, no? No, scripture tells us quite the opposite, no? It says in Colossians, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. In other words, what we're doing should be the best. What we're doing uh, should be if we're working for the Lord, we should be uh, in the lead. We shouldn't be last. We are working for the Lord. And even in Scripture, it speaks of the biblical gift of discipleship, right? Paul speaks in Romans 12 of, of the gift of uh, leadership. He even goes on to say in 1 Thessalonians 5.12, it says, Respect those who labor among us and are over you in the Lord. If somebody's over me, they're first, right? They're not last. So there are times in our lives, there are times where we will be first. There are times when we are called to a position of leadership. There are times when each one of us is first. No, how many are parents here, right? We have to take the lead with our children, right? We have to be the ones that instruct them in the good word, right? We're the ones that teach them, right? 
We have to take a lead. And if we look at verse 35 in Mark chapter 9, nine it says, if anyone would be first. In other words, if you want to be first, or if you would be first, maybe you are in a position where you are first. It tells us how we should act. It says, Jesus says to them, he must be last of all and servant to all. So it's a matter of how we see things. It's a matter of our perspective. Even when we are in a position of being first, we need to behave in a certain way. Our character needs to display certain qualities that God calls us to uh, display, even when we are first. So if we look at this chapter, at this passage, we see Jesus walking with his disciples. They're walking through Galilee. They come to Capernaum. They enter a house. And he asks them one question. What were you discussing on the way? What were you discussing on the way? And the answer was, exactly, silence. Silence. You ever been in this position, no? You have a child, a son, grandchild, they're in another room, you hear a ruckus. You get one of two answers when you ask them what's going on. Oh, nothing. <laughs> or you get complete silence. Sometimes the complete silence is worse, right? But why was there complete silence? Just as a child, they knew they had been caught red-handed. They knew he was asking them a question because there was something wrong. They knew that they had been caught in the middle of their sin. You see, when we are first, even when we want to be first, there are obstacles in the way. Even when we try to act as if we want to be last, as if we want to be servants, there are obstacles in the way. And these disciples face one of the greatest obstacles we find, pride. Pride. Pride is the downfall of many good men and women. Pride. Pride is spoken of all through scripture. It's addressed many times. Uh, one particular scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. It's, it's mentioned in Proverbs 3.34. The same verbiage is used in James 1.4.6. And once again in 1 Peter 5.5, 5, the same thing. God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. What are the, what's the place that you're taking in life? Do you want to oppose God, the creator of this earth? I don't think I would ever want to find myself in that position, even though I'm sure I have. But what we intentionally want to put ourselves in a position where we oppose God, that's what pride does in our life. But yet if we are humble, we walk in his favor. Isn't that all we want in life, right? To live a life where we walk in favor of God, in favor of God, in His grace, in His mercies, in His blessings. That's what we will want. 
Pride brings us down. So as believers, as men and women, we need to constantly be vigilant of the sin of pride in our lives. You know, Jesus caught his disciples in this sin, and Jesus was Lord. He was the Messiah. He, he, he was the Christ. He could have taken a position of pride and said, these guys are not even worthy to be with me. They're here arguing about while we're traveling around trying to heal people. Then they're arguing about, about who's first. They're letting pride take a hold of them. I should just banish all of them. But that's not the position he took, did he? The word says that he spoke and he, he said to them, and, and he, I'm sorry, verse 35 says, and he sat down and called the twelve and then spoke to them. He sat down and called the twelve and he spoke to them. He did act in an arrogant or prideful manner, even though he was in the highest position possible. He took it as a moment to instruct, to give of his wisdom, of his wisdom, the guy who was there when they said, let there be light, and there was light of his wisdom. He took a moment to speak to his disciples. It just blows my mind that God, the Lord Jesus Christ, would take time for us to instruct us, to teach us through his word, to speak to us. He then take that position of authority. And that's one of the other obstacles we face. Though We face pride, but our position sometimes gets in the way. We need to be aware of how we use whatever position we find ourselves in lives. We need to be aware of how we use our influence, our time, our resources. We need to glorify God. We need to be servants. That should be the position where we are operating from. Not a position of pride, not a position of grandeur, but a position of being servants. Jesus would instruct his disciples further in Mark 10.45. He tells them, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Not even the Son of Man came to be served. The Son of Man speaks of his humanity, no? Speaks of, of a Lord that left his throne, that emptied himself to come to earth and serve us, serve us, his creation. And you see, when we are Christians, when, when we want to truly serve, our, our position is not being a pastor or being a deacon or, or being a small group leader. We are not CEOs, we are not managers, we are not supervisors. We are servants. Servants. Our business is not in commodities. It's not even in producing well-scripted sermons. Our business 
is people. Those around us, those who we are called to serve. How can we serve somebody? What, the, what does God call us to do? Well, we, the way we start serving people is bringing the gospel to them. And when we bring the gospel to them, what we need to do to serve them is disciple them. Disciple them. God places in a position with God-given gifts and abilities to serve others, to to bring them to his purposes for their lives. We are discipling people. Our core value, disciple-making is our mission. Disciple-making is our mission. We can't do that from a position of pride. We can't do that from uh, taking a high, lofty position above others. We need to serve. We need to be able to be in a position where we can serve. You know, but I said there were obstacles, right? We, We have pride. We have opposition. But... The last one might be the greatest obstacle of all. I know pride is up there, but people. People. And what are you talking about, people? Didn't you just say you're supposed to serve people? Have you been around people lately? (laughs) We're only good at sinning, as Pastor David said. Great sin, the scripture said. We're capable of great sin. We're mad. We're angry. We don't want to get along. I don't like what he said. I don't like how she dressed. People. People get in our way. And not that they get in our way. The way we view people. The way we treat people. The way we speak to people gets in the way? Does our pride, does our position get in the way of our serving people? How did Jesus look at people? How did he look at people? Well, it says in verse 37 of, of Mark 9, he said, Jesus said, he says, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me, receives not me, but him who sent me. Whoever receives one such child. Well, he was dealing with 12 children that were really difficult to receive. Uh, Really difficult. I mean, you get a hold of these guys arguing about who's first when they're walking with Jesus the Christ. You know, how many questions would you have if you could actually walk with Jesus and speak to Jesus? I, I, I think I would have a million and one questions. He, he, would, he would kick me off his team because I wouldn't stop talking. But then they're arguing about who's first, who is greatest. That's when it becomes difficult to serve people. That's when it becomes difficult for us to just set that aside and offer grace. To embrace people like he embraced that child. You know, a child at that time 
wasn't like a child of our days. A, a child in that time was, was meaningless. They were like possessions. They had no power. They had no authority. You know, when they screamed, mom didn't run to them with their favorite gift or, or their favorite food. They didn't talk back like now. Children were nobodies. And Christ tells us when we embrace that nobody, that, that, that child, then we are doing what he would want us to do. Um, Andrew knows, I read this and it just really touched my heart. Andrew knows said, when we count the weak and powerless as more important than ourselves, we come close to the hearts of God. When we embrace the weak and the powerless, as more important, we come close to the heart of God. How many times are we doing that in our lives? Embracing the weak and the powerless. As a child, God says we receive him who sent me. We receive, we receive God when we do that. You know, it speaks once again to our core values. Every person is important. Every person is important. No matter what you might think of them, no matter how they may seem, no matter how bad they might have been, but every person is important. You know, we, 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 we not only have to say that, we, we can't just have it written up on the wall or have it on our screen. We need to actually live that through. Every person is important. Every person. God could do abundantly, exceedingly uh, uh, thing above all things in every person's life. He could go do great things in any one of us. Jesus, the creator of all that existed, took time to embrace a child. A child that others ignored. A child that could do nothing for his position. A child that would show him love. To the point of taking the position of a servant a servant to a child and setting aside any pride, humbling himself for him to the point of being obedient and obedient even on the cross. You see, that's the point. It's not a matter of our pride. It's not a matter of position. It's not a matter of how difficult that, pers that person could be. Love is our greatest command. Love is our greatest command. As Jesus will proclaim it in Mark 12, 30, he says, And you shall love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. That's probably the easy part. But then he follows it up and says, the second is this. 
you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other great, there's no other commandment greater than these. You should love your neighbor as yourself. Love is our greatest command. Doesn't matter who we are. We need to set aside that pride. We need to set aside our position. We, we need to overlook how bad the people are. We just need to love them and show them the love of Christ, our Lord and Savior. If we can do that, if we as the church of God, as Christians, as believers could do that, we could radically change this world. Radically change this world. Amen? Let us pray. Lord, Father, I thank you, Father, for, for your word, O oh Lord, for the love you demonstrated to each and every one of us, O oh Lord, for giving your life on the cross for each and every one of us, O oh Lord. I, I ask that you help us, Father. Help us set aside our pride. Help us set aside our position. Help us set aside any dislikes we may have for for people and that we may just be able to demonstrate your love to each and every person we encounter father that this truth may just radically change our lives oh lord that we may be able oh lord to serve and do the will that you have for us father we thank you lord we honor you and we give you all glory father it's in christ's name we pray Amen and amen. And if you need prayer, maybe you're struggling with this. We've all struggled with some of these things. And if you need prayer, as uh, Pastor David brings this last song, I invite you to come forward. If maybe you don't know this, this great Christ that I'm speaking of, I invite you. Let us show you his love. Come forward. If you... Just love this church, and you want to be a member, I invite you, come forward as Pastor David speaks this, or sings this last song. Thank you. Let's stand and sing.
Church, as we depart, receive your blessing from God's word. To those who have been called, who are loved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. Go out now to live lives of praise to God and service to others. And all God's people who pledged to do so said, Amen. Amen.